Welcome to Teacher and Zion Podcast. This is episode 61. How can there be a God when so many terrible things are allowed to happen? Over the years, I have made friends with more than a few atheists and agnostics. Uh, still am friends with quite a few, actually. Um, my own father is somewhere between atheism and agnosticism. Many are quite nice people. And often very intelligent and kind and caring. Some of them lost their faith because of events in life that caused them to question. If there is some part of them that secretly imagines that there might indeed be a God, then they would be angry at him, possibly. Others are just very analytical and skeptical and unable or unwilling to exercise faith as it were or they have no sense or feeling of anything outside of what the five senses can detect as i said many of them are very intelligent people and some less so among younger people i find more and more that disbelief in God was not really an idea that they arrived at for themselves, but seems mainly the result of adopting the view of others without much thought really being put into it. I think it may be possible that uh, many avoid putting in the time and the effort uh, to commit to a deeper analysis of what they believe and why, because Adopting atheism is a convenience for them, and for a variety of reasons. And when I have discussions with um, people that do not believe in God, uh, invariably the question always arises. Uh, and not always because we're having some theological debate or discussion or something, um, or a discussion about life in general, but... Um, I have find that especially among younger people, um, they are in crisis a great deal. Um, I have several friends who don't believe in God, um, and they know that I do. Um, and they're not really wanting to talk about God or the possibility of God at all. I tried to be kind and a friend to them. Um, and yet they're seeking solace. They're seeking hope um, and they seem to be in crisis mode a great deal of the time fear uh, anxiety panic attacks uh, a lot of counseling um, psychiatric medications being taken um, and I'm not saying that atheism makes you this way what I'm saying is I think a lot of people are confused and um, don't know where to turn uh, they've turned off to God but they don't know what to turn on to that really is going to give them hope and joy or excitement or th thoughts of 
of a future and uh, life is one continual tragedy for some of them and I really feel for them. I have one friend in particular that reaches out on a regular basis and uh, sends me messages through Facebook. Um, they're always in a crisis mode and eventually when it just gets so bad I have to finally say and I just approach the topic as carefully as I can. I say I know you don't want to talk about God that you don't believe in God uh, so you know, there's something I, I would share with you, but, you know, I don't want to upset you. And uh, sometimes they're open for it. And just the other day, um, I was asked, no, go ahead. Tell me what you would like to tell me. And I began to speak to them about my belief in God, uh, that the experiences that I have with them, because I have something that they are missing and that is peace I have peace I have purpose the things that happen in my life are purposeful um, God doesn't cause everything to happen he's not the purveyor of every incident per se and we have the promise that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purposes of those who who love God and so if we turn to him and turn our lives over to him it finds purpose even in the hard things and without that they're just hard things and so when I begin to speak and this happened just the other day of course the question came up and I don't remember the exact wording um, but it's always a question some variation anyway of this question and that is how can there be a God when so many bad things happen I mean how can there possibly be a God because all they see is just this terrible things that go on in the world and and one bad thing after another happens to them and that is usually followed up with the presumption that well if there is a God that he Either he cares nothing for his creation or he must be some kind of cruel sadist. So if people are open to hearing, I'm not going to force my beliefs on anybody, but the answers that they seek are available. Um, they're in the scriptures, actually. They're, they're in the Bible. Um, I don't worship the Bible. Uh, I think that too many Christians... Um, practice a form of idolatry when they went to insist that the Bible is the perfect, infallible, God-breathed word. Every single sentence, every single word, uh, and every single book of the Bible, uh, as if it were also to the exclusion of anything else. It's the full, complete word with nothing missing. Um, I don't really believe that way. But what I do believe is that within these scriptures that were written by men who had experiences with God, we find God. We find the way to God. And so he is in the pages of the scriptures, but not in the pages of the scriptures alone. God is everywhere. He's in all things. And for me, uh, he is in the grass outside that I'm looking out the window right now he's in the trees uh, he's in the wind that, that touches my face uh, he is in my cats and our dog that we have um, he's in my wife 
is in friends. He is in all things, everywhere. I feel his hand in all things. I believe the very universe itself is literally made out of the very substance of God. In the beginning, there was nothing. There was a void. And God spoke into existence the universe and all that is in it. So what did he make it out of? If there was nothing to construct the universe with, when he spoke and it came into being, where did that come from? My answer is, it came from himself. He is the substance of the universe. And so you see, without him, there is nothing. And that's the real irony of atheism, I guess. Uh, this is the real catch-22, if you will, for those who want to do without God, is that actually uh, they cannot and never will be able to do without him. Um, you're allowed to decide to not believe in him, and that's a freedom of choice. I'm not even going to condemn someone for their belief. God wants us to search things out and to make decisions for ourselves and what we believe and how we should act. And that's a part of what this life is about. I'm not the kind of person who's uh, quick to assign someone a destination of hell because of not believing as I do. You know, I believe that God is working with all people right now, even atheists, agnostics. He's working with them and he loves them. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's hard for us to grasp, but it's true. He loves even those who don't love him back. Those Roman soldiers who spat at him and had beaten him and were being quite cruel to him as he's being put to death. Um, what did he do? He forgave them because they don't know what it is they're doing. So I had that question asked me just the other day, you know, how can there be a God? How can there be when he allows these things to happen? You know, what kind of God is this? Well, within the pages of the scriptures are the answer. So I would like to look at a couple of things right away that when I went and actually took the time to search these things out and dig in to the, the Bible, um, well, answers came to me and you got to just search it out. You got to do a little bit of study. Um, you need to look into things, but it's not that hard. There's so many resources, good resources, free right online, actually. Um, Strong's Concordance, you can actually use a Strong's Concordance it used to be a very thick tome that you would purchase for a goodly sum of money, but you can use it for free right online. And look up the actual Hebrew words and the Greek words in the Bible, and you can find out exactly what their original meaning is. So let's look at the very beginning of the creation of mankind. Genesis 1.26 reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Everything. 
Let's look at that word dominion. That's the key here. Give mankind dominion over the earth and everything in it. So what does dominion stand for? What does dominion mean in English? And what does it mean in Hebrew here? In the English or Oxford language dictionary, um, dominion means sovereignty or control. In other words, you have control. Man was given control over the earth and everything that is in it. The Hebrew definition is the same. Sovereignty, what does that word stand for? Uh, sovereignty means supreme power or authority. So we are supreme authority and we have full control over the earth and everything that is in it. Well, that might be a new thought for some of you, but that's what the Bible tells us. And if that is true, then that answers a lot of these questions right off the bat, because God gave the earth to man to make of it what he will. In the beginning, there was no death. Even the animals didn't eat each other. They didn't kill one another. Uh, they were all vegetarians. So that had happened until after the fall and death and disease and all the things that we think of that are hard things of life, they didn't exist. Cancer didn't exist until after the fall of man at some point. And if you go and look at the Bible and actually draw on a graph the lifespans of each of the people that are mentioned there, because it gives their lifespans, you will see people were living to be many, many hundreds of years old. And as the Bible story account goes along in Genesis, those lifespans get a little shorter, a little shorter, a little shorter. And by the time you get to the flood, suddenly they are drastically brought down to about a hundred years or so. And this is a result of the sin of mankind choices that we make. So one of the great principles of what God did for us, according to the scriptures, is that he gave man agency. He gave man the freedom to choose, the liberty to choose. It is a basis of all scripture, of his plan for man to allow them basically a time, and that's what a lifespan is, a time for us to learn and to grow and to have experiences and to make choices and to experience the consequences of those choices, good and bad, and learn from them and decide what we manner of person we want to be and, and how we want to interact with one another. This earth is a school and we are to decide whether we would choose what is right and good or would we choose evil? We got these ideas about what it is to be good or righteous in God's sight, but really good is about choosing life. It is about choosing what is right to do and to treat one another. But what it is to choose God, you choose life. If you go and look at the fruit of the spirit, 
that is listed in Galatians. If you go and look at that, these are the things that come about when you are in tune with or in harmony with God and his spirit. And his spirit in you causes these things to flow out. And what you find is the goodness of love, of peace, of joy, of patience, of kindness. All these things are the attributes of God. When we are saying we don't want to choose God, what's going on? Is it that we're against God or are we just against religion? Because there's a lot of bad religion and I'm not excited about religion. I gave up religion a long time ago in favor of relationship. Relationship with God. God didn't come to create a religion. He came to create a pathway in which we could collectively or individually get back to him. Get back from this fallen state. Turn away from these things that have brought these sicknesses and diseases and murder and mayhem and anger and strife and war. These are the inventions of men who have turned away from God. We have misery in this world because God gave us dominion and we took that dominion and did what we will with it apart from his will. Does he want us to be robots that we can only do exactly what he says all the time, exactly how he says it? No, I don't believe that. I do believe we are to be in his will and within his will is an expression of what he sees for us as children that we can enjoy, that we can grab hold of and become, that we can mature and grow and build up and become in many ways like him. He's a creator and we can be creative. And, and so although he has an express will for any particular situation, I believe, for example, God may desire that you put the, the talent and the desire that he's placed in you as a musician, for example, to glorify his name and to lift him up so that all people will see him, be drawn to him, that they may find life and that they may be happy and turn away from darkness and find joy instead of being afraid. And he may desire you to take that and create beautiful music, but he doesn't want to dictate exactly how that music has to be. He doesn't want to dictate every single lyric. He doesn't want to take away your creative choices. There's the part of him that we need to complete us, but he also made us to express ourselves. And so we, in working in concert and harmony with him, have our part. We express our part in things. You know, the funny thing is we can do nothing without him. I mean, we wouldn't even be able to think without him. We, I can't breathe unless he gives me air to breathe. I wouldn't be alive or a living being without him. Uh, he upholds all life in his hand. I am here right now speaking to you because he allows that to be. And I get to choose. I can even choose wrong. And I can tell you something that is wrong. That's why you shouldn't follow me. That's why you shouldn't follow any man. But we want to seek him. 
because he makes us better, because he teaches us. We've got to be open for instruction. But he is not a dictator. He is the sovereign God, yes, but we have to surrender ourselves to him. And when we do, he doesn't take our choices from us. He will never take our choices from us. He will let us choose. And he wants us to have a part. And he wants us to have a say. Um, he has said, let us reason together. He wants to reason with us. He wants to speak with us. And it's a still small voice. That's what the scriptures tell us. In a number of places, the still small voice. If you're waiting for the thunderclap and a booming voice from heaven, you may never hear that. I'm not saying you can't. Um, it happens, but it's much more rare. Almost all communication with God to humanity, to people, has always been through that still, small voice of his spirit. And so you have to be quiet to hear it. You need to seek it out to hear it. It's not intrusive. You have to invite it. and You have to desire to hear it and seek it. And part of that is waiting upon the Lord. We don't, we don't get answers like they split all the time. His timing and our timing is never the same. But people say and think, you know, why would God allow these bad things to happen? Okay, even if we made the mess, why would he allow us to make such a mess? Why would he allow such terrible things to happen? Has to. It's the only way. There's only one way that he can prevent us from making a mess of things. And that is to take away our free will, to take away our agency, to become a dictator, to turn us into robots. And that's not what he made us to be. He made us to be his children. So when you have children, the aim, the ultimate aim as a parent, if you're a good parent, is not to control your children um, and, you know, force them to be exactly the image of what you want them to be that's not being a good parent a good parent is you have guidelines and principles and teachings that help them along the way but ultimately to be a good parent you need to help them find who they are in in life uh, to others around them uh, what it is that brings them joy what is their talent if your child was meant to be a musician and you try to make him a mathematician, he's going to be miserable. We want them to find who they are in God, who they were des designed to be, who they were created to be. And they need to find that themselves and you can help. And so because of that, God must do the same with us. He cannot force us without taking away our agency choice and then there's no point to any of this and so because of that we have to be able to choose we have to be able to choose awful things we have to be able to choose to do awful things to each other and he cannot stop us without destroying our agency he has put consequences in place that we suffer not only in the next life uh, but here uh, you suffer 
a great deal of things and probably the, one of the greatest things that anyone suffers i don't care who you are or how evil you are when we turn away from god when we're not doing things that are right when we do evil when we do not experience the fruit of the spirit which is peace love joy and all those good things we experience the other fruit of darkness uh, the deeds of the flesh as the scriptures put it and what are those things their anger intolerance frustration sadness depression anxiety fear these things uh, will rule in our hearts we have a lack of peace when we're not where we need to be so we have a full range of expression on how we will serve the Lord and we get to have a role in deciding how to do that he may have definitive plans for you he would like you to do certain things if you're asking what he would like you to do he's got some adventures for you to go on why not just because he wants it no because actually he wants it for you because he knows being God and not just a regular parent he actually knows what will bring the most fruit for you in your life the most growth the most joy the most wonderful adventure the thing that will bring the greatest change and make us who we are intended to be and have those experiences that's why we need to remain open to god because unlike our regular parents he actually does know everything but he's not going to force us and even when we do his will he allows for our own expression of how we would accomplish those things and how we might go about them and together him and we you know it's a partnership it's an adventure he's our adventure buddy um, he is the friend that goes along with us on this great adventure and guides us and loves us through the whole experience and uses it for our good uses it to grow us uh, that we may help others even as he's helping us and and so this is the kind of thing that that can happen when we're in the way with the Lord on that path the path of life and the way to get there is through Christ and I do believe that there are many who are uh, responding to the Spirit of Christ to his spirit to the Holy Spirit but they don't even know it they don't even truly know him yet and yet if they will listen to that still small voice in them that the voice that uh, brings them to that place as they begin to explore the the mysteries of life the universe and and wondering is there a god god will work with them and they can come to the place where they they begin to know him it's a it's a journey that's what the purpose of this life is for and if we can help one another in that journey um, help us to get ahead and, and not have to spend so many years uh, spinning our wheels all the better when we respond to the good spirit of the Lord regardless of what name you have put to him it is Christ because Christ is the expression of who God is it is God in the flesh that is who Christ is 
God himself came down. And he made a way for us to come back to him if we just receive it. He, the ultimate expression of love is to lay your life down for someone. And that's what he did. God allowed himself to be mocked, to be scourged, and to be crucified, put to death. He allowed it, and he did it willingly. For love. For the sake of love. Getting back to the truth that man was given dominion over the earth. There is a little more to that story that we want to go into because God is within us. When God made Adam, he breathed the breath of life into him, placing a spirit within the body of clay. Thereby, the dead flesh came to life. Adam became a living soul. Every man and woman is alive because of the spirit that God places in them. When the spirit departs, the body dies. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto the God who gave it. So, what is the spirit? It is my belief from everything that I've read and learned over the years that just as God made the universe out of his very own substance, hence he is in and through all things. Our spirit is a portion of our God, which God formed to become the express vision of who we are, who he made us to be, and what our express purpose or mission is in this world. Everyone who is born is given a portion of that spirit that is from God. And that spirit speaks through our subconscious mind. It seeks to lead us into a relationship with God. So even the heathen without knowledge can listen to that small voice within what some may call a conscience. And if he listens to it, it will lead them to God. When we learn about God and make a covenant with him, Jesus says he will enter in and abide in us and we can abide in him. And when that happens, in addition to our spirit that he gave us, which came from God, we can have a greater portion of his spirit, which takes up residence so that we are never alone, never without counsel, and that we always have God with us. We call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it is he who comforts us and leads us to all truth. It is through the Holy Spirit that we gain the gifts of the Spirit in their fullness, and we can know all things, at least which are expedient for us to know uh, in the eyes of God. And how this knowledge pertains to dominion is that when we have Christ in us, we have the Spirit of God, and regardless of how many evil people there are in the world, one man with the Spirit of God directing him um, makes a majority in the government of heaven. Uh, kingdom mathematics. And as such, God working through man can exercise dominion in such a way as to cause what needs to happen to happen. And this is why all through the scriptures, both old and even in the New Testament, we see that God generally works through people, 
whether it's Enoch or Noah or Moses or Peter or Paul. Not that we have to look to men, but he chooses to work through mankind. And so if you are his disciple, he wants to work through you. This is how he works. The body of Christ is called the body of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ because with his spirit in you, then he directs us to do his will. And so we're his body, literally or figuratively, either way, both on this earth to do his will. Finally, not to put too fine a point on it, but when God came to the earth and took upon himself flesh and blood as a man, he can exercise the same dominion that he originally gave to man as a man. The purpose is not to revoke the agency of man, but to exercise it for righteous purposes in order to give his disciples and, and really all of humanity, even those who don't love him, the right amount of assistance and intervention as needed to help us, you know, without taking away our agency. And when our time and our purposes on this earth, you know, to make our choices has reached its conclusion, then God as a man will return and he will exercise dominion to establish his kingdom. Even then God will not revoke our agency. But those seeds that have been sown by our choices will bear their fruit and we will harvest that which we have sown. Even then, humanity will have a thousand years to further learn and grow and come to understanding about the nature of God, who we are and who he is and what it all means. What a time that will be. In conclusion. When we look at this world, when we look at all the, uh, the pain and the suffering and those things that are hardships on, on people, and if we find ourselves praying to God, asking him to take these things from us, asking him to fix something, to change something, uh, to take away our pain, to take away our unease, to take away our anxiety, to take away those things which are bothering us. What we have to realize is that God is not Santa Claus. And as C.S. Lewis discovered late in his life, the purpose of prayer is not to change God, but to, to change ourselves. And it's not that God doesn't answer prayer. He will help us. But we must understand that part of his will is that we have these experiences to some degree. We're allowed to make decisions and suffer the consequences of those decisions and at least to some degree and we may ask for mercy and cry out and he may help he may step in but the purpose of this life is not to avoid suffering the purpose of this life is not to have everything go our way if that were the case and we would gain nothing from this experience we must go through these trials. We need to have experiences. It's the purpose for our being here. And so when people believe this is all there is, that this life in the flesh here on this earth, as we are now is, is everything. And 
when it's over, it's over, then it becomes a certain desperation in our thoughts and our minds that if this is all there is and is it worth it and uh, am I getting what I want out of life? You know, the American dream, my piece of the pie, am I making enough money? Am I happy about Am I, do I have the perfect marriage? Do I have the perfect job? Do I have the car I want to drive? Do I own the house that I want to own? You know, if life becomes about obsessing over having all the things and all the material goods and all the, all the different qualities of life to just be excellent and, and wonderful, then, hey, uh, where do we grow? We need to have challenges. And we need to go through things. People that have everything that they ever think they need, that are rich and uh, have no need for anything earthly, are some of the most miserable people there are on earth. Because that's not the point to life. And happiness is not found in that. You know, scientists, more and more of them theorize that, they, that we are in a simulation. That none of this is real. We're all in the matrix. And uh, as ridiculous as that sounds on some level, they're right. We are. We are in a simulation. I mean, it's real. The earth is real. It is physical. It is made out of elements. It's not a mirage. But it is a place that has been set aside for a purpose, for our benefit. And God has made it for our benefit. And though there is suffering, though there is pain in this world, if we would just come to him and learn from him and right, repent of our mistakes, turn away from those things that bring death and destruction, turn away from polluting the earth, polluting our bodies, from doing harmful things, and if we would learn to love, if we could learn the love of God and have it change us, that we can love one another, this earth can be transformed into paradise. People talk about heaven and hell. I'm here to tell you, you can experience heaven and hell right here on this planet. I don't believe it is God that places us in hell. It is we ourselves. He has no desire for any to suffer. But he is willing that all would come to him and learn of his ways to find peace. Entering into the arms of our Savior, we're entering into the arms of the very creator of heaven and earth. The whole universe. And when we return to our origins, when we return to who created us, we find our purpose. We find the reason. And we find peace. And we find joy. May the Lord bless you this day.